Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On some other plane, nothing is wrong I can see you walking in, smiling like you'd never been gone Like you'd never been gone Swept into the rain, seaside town I can hear that old tin whistle blowing like you'd never been gone like he'd never been gone In the Shankle Butchers, for example, talk about this a good bit, you know, my pals from North Belfast. They roamed around North Belfast. They were called the Shankle Butchers because one of them was actually a butcher and provided the rest of them with the implements, axes, scythes, huge knives that were used to sort of, normally used to slaughter cows and then to, 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 to dismember them. They roamed around North Belfast, cutting heads off Catholics, they, they, they did it for five years in the sort of a, in a small circle around Carlisle Circus. I mean, they, 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 they left more clues. I mean, the forensics, they left more clues than Hansel and Gretel about who they were and, and their whereabouts. But I mean, eventually, they had to essentially, well, what happened was that one of their victims survived and identified them. So there was nothing else the RUC could do, only arrest them. For fuck's sake, lads, would you not be more careful in the future? When you're killing Fenians, Jesus. I mean, we're doing our best here for you. And uh, and so it's it's very, very. Do you know where Jack Keelty Park is? No. Jack Keelty Park is in Dundrum. You know who Jack Keelty is? No. Patrick Keelty's father. Mm. He was murdered. He was only forty-five. Do you know who murdered him? I do. I remember the story now. Delbert Watson, who was a British soldier in the Ulster Defence Regiment, and William Bell, who was a Royal Marine. And uh, 
Jack was only 45. And Patrick, you know, Patrick has done tremendously well. And the day that we're talking about this, actually, Patrick's making his debut on the Late Late Show tonight. And what a fantastic filly. Mm. I would say he wasn't much of a footballer. He was a great, great performer. You know, he won an All-Ireland minor medal with Down as, as their sub-goalie, as he loves to tell everybody that. But whenever I went to Queen's after Trinity, um, Patrick was the keeper. The squad we had a great squad, you know, it was all all stars like Anthony Toll and I mean, James and McCartney. Oh my god, what a team, what a football team. And after every game, and sometimes after the training sessions, Paddy would do his stand up routine <laughs> in the changing room. He was very funny. Yeah. And what he did, he tailored it, you see, to the grip. So he would mock me and he would mock the different personalities. And Desi Ryan is a legendary GA man from the Loch Shore. Up at Ballaroan, up at Ballamagwigan there. Um, and Desi talks a bit like that. So Paddy had him, you know, like the big cockerel in the Disney cartoons. Arshai boy, Arshai boy. <laughs> and uh, Paddy used to have us in stitches, you know. And funny, Kevin Strahern was in the Queen's squad, you know, whose, whose father was murdered as well. And who prompted his old neighbour, Seamus Heaney, to write a celebrated poem about that murder as well. There's a lot of fucking poems about murders of our people, you know. Heaney had, at that stage, he had long since moved to Dublin. He was plagued by his failure to give a voice to Northern Nationalists. And in the poem about Willie, he asked for forgiveness. Forgive the way I have lived indifferent. Forgive my timid circumspect involvement. But all these people, you know, it's a... It's a lifetime of suffering until they get to the end. The truth, the inquest, the murder trial, the truth. Because it's an important thing to point out about this. This is a, a concerns with unsolved murders and unsolved crimes. Because we would have seen, and people have seen, you know, the release of prisoners and various things like that, which required which were very painful for victims as well. Yeah, but they've been, you know, but they've been, but, but they've been convicted. Yeah. This is the state. Yeah. This is what, this is what um, Caroline Elkins talked about in her masterpiece, mm. Legacy of Violence, A History of the British Empire, which I would advise, and that's a, it's a tough book, you know, because of the atrocities. But she researched a sort of the real life story of the British Empire, you know, mass murder, systematic torture, detention camps. We've had all that. We've had all that in the North. The murders, the systematic tortures, the hooded men, you know, the beatings that were constant. Detention camps, we had that lovely four years, people being detained without trials as, as though it were Putin's Russia. And theft and impoverishment of native populations. And the striking features of that empire building, as meticulously documented by Elkin, are ruthless control of the media, sophisticated propaganda machine that glorifies the actions of the British and a political and legal infrastructure that allowed their troops and their police to do whatever they wanted. You know, so in the North they created that narrative, well, the Catholic community are genocidal, sectarian savages, you know. And under that cover they set up detention camps, shot citizens with impunity, ran black murder ups and set up special courts to secure convictions. But this, the, the extraordinary thing about this 
legacy act now is that it's opposed by everybody. Yeah. Everybody that, in the north. That doesn't matter. Because because it plays to it's 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 you know it's it's as you said it's it's Johnny Mercer it's it's veterans. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck about the unionists anymore. I mean, the unionists' great tragedy is their allegiance to a fantasy, their allegiance to an entity. That is. But is this something that actually, in some ways, kind of underlines that in a way that might actually make any difference to people? It, it, I think. I think. I think that um, there'll be that same sort of, maybe not just the same, but certainly a strong sense of betrayal in the unionist community. I mean, Michael Ignatieff, the the. Uh, I don't know how you would describe him. extraordinary man. Yeah, he uh, he said he said like twenty years ago. He said, you know, the British will give up on the unionists, not because they weren't loyal enough to the British, but because they were too loyal. Who <laughs> expected too much? And I think that you can finesse that a bit now and say, look, the British now now no longer have any use for the loyalists for unionism. They don't understand it. They despise them. You know. Boris Johnson, these people, well, they're you know they're used car salesmen who'd use anybody, but they really have no strategic use for them any longer, and I think we'll be very very happy. I mean, they cannot see the day coming quickly enough when they can get out, and there's a there's a United Ireland, and of course, as Leo Varadkar quite correctly said during the week, I mean, Leo was making the point. I mean, why should I why should I not say that I think there'll be a United Ireland? Mm. It's an entirely legitimate thing to say. And he said, let me remind the UK government that in the debris of their disastrous sort of Brexit bill, mm. we had to be the adults in the room and construct the Windsor framework to get them off the hook. And that is absolutely correct. I mean, it was Leo who had to describe to that blithering, horrible nincompoop, Johnson, you know, what Brexit actually meant and what the problems were, were going to be for him that were coming down the tracks and therefore the requirement, the requirement that there be something akin to the Windsor framework. Well, know, but, but that, that, I mean, but, but, the, but, the, the, the Brits were always going to, I mean, as, as soon as it was no but longer... This is an extraordinary, this is an extraordinary development even for them because it is, uh, like, it, it is, you know, if you're because we talk about this a lot and it does seem to be entirely driven by... Uh, a kind of a culture war again. Um, I think it, it's it's interesting that you know. I think some of these cases are going to go to the, some of them are going to the High Court in Belfast, but others are going to the European Court of Human Rights. And uh, Suella Braverman is uh, again talking about how keen she is to get a, get out of the European Court of Human Rights, a politicized, uh, politicized court. Um, and it's going to play. It's just. It seems. It seems to be designed to somehow get a little bit of traction um, among... See, I don't think it's a culture war, Dion. This is a deep-seated instinct of the British establishment. Mm. You know, they've done exactly the same in Iraq. I mean, the 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 uh, murders of civilians by British forces there, all of that has been shut down. You know, it's forcing them to do the sort of things, to go, to, to engage in these long, long soul-destroying battles for families. I mean, 
uh, and then what they do every now and again is that they 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 uh, they're good enough at they're good enough at the PR side of it. So in the north, for example, I mean, it also became absolutely extreme, and the Americans were involved, the Europeans were involved, cases were going to the European Court, and and something had to be done. They appoint John Stevens, a very eminent um, police commissioner, to come over and investigate collusion. Whenever he arrived in 1989 during his first inquiry in the north, somebody leaked to loyalist terrorists the name and the address of the hotel where his officers were staying. And when, when they came back at the end of one day, the concierge in the hotel warned them not to go into the bar because loyalist gunmen were waiting for them there. Shortly after that, in 1990, I don't know if you remember this. I mean, for, for us, we knew, it was, we knew he was going to get nowhere. His headquarters, he had got a suite of offices in Seapark Police Station, which is an ultra high secure station where no civilians go. You know, you don't you don't get you don't get arrested and brought there. You don't get inter, in you know you don't get interviewed in there. It's a citadel like CAA headquarters. Well into their investigation, his offices were destroyed by fire. Do you know what the RUC investigation? <laughs> Into that fire concluded. It was just random. It was most likely to have been caused by a carelessly discarded cigarette. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, Stevens went on to, 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 now he was a doughty fellow. I mean, he was determined. But his team were put under massive stress. A lot of the team left, mm. went back, couldn't stick it. The constant hatred. He found that there was a state policy of systematic collusion, you know, um, with loyalist paramilitaries, with the participation of serving officers and British soldiers. Now, in the end, what he found resulted in 40 convictions, sentences of almost a thousand years, but the truth was it barely scratched the surface of what had gone on, you know. And, uh, and these people are left empty by by what's about to happen. I mean, like 16 people were killed by plastic bullets here during the troubles again. I mean, I remember in Dungiven, like, geez, they just come out and open up, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. an arcade game. Right, it, was yeah. like, it was like people playing a video game, really. And uh, eight, eight of the people killed were kids under 15. Hmm. The Glenan gang killed at least 120 Catholics and some estimates put it at 200. And, you know, these, these, these people who have fought, fought for justice. Like, I mean, a good example a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, one of the reasons for the, the resignation of the current chief constable, who's an Englishman, and who was brought in, I think, from the outside to try to, you know, let's get a grip on everything that's going on. Obviously, the RUC has been disbanded. Mm. It had to be for, for, for peace because, I mean, there's nobody in our community would have had any interest in it otherwise. But one of the reasons that he was, um, he stepped down, was forced, really, I mean, it was a pressurised situation. He was going to be sacked otherwise. Arose out of the arrest of Mark Six. 
So Mark Sykes was arrested during COVID. He was taking part in a very small commemoration with five other family members of their uh, loved ones who were murdered in 1992, Sean Graham's massacre at the bottom of the Armour Road. Very, very shortly after that, you know, I got my first house in the Armour Road. Mm. In those days too, you know, they used to mark out where the bodies had fallen in chalk, you know, like police squad. And what happened there was that um, five people were murdered. Sykes was very badly injured but survived. One child was killed. And, of course, as is the way of these things, you know, you know, 20 years later, there's an ombudsman's inquiry. And uh, the ombudsman found that the RUC had deliberately destroyed the murder files. Um, two RUC agents were directly involved in the murders. The RUC had turned a blind eye to them. And the PSNI apologies to the families in February 2022. Whoopie fucking do. You know. But what? John Stalker came. John Stalker yeah, was then but... sent to investigate collusion and shoot to kill. I mean, he's an, he was another eminent sort of police officer. And uh, they just conducted a dirty war against mm. him. And and eventually he was forced to resign for reasons that were entirely spurious. But from the moment he came here, he wrote in his book, you know, he was just subjected to hostility, threats. MI5 officers destroyed a secret tape. Michael Teig, who was a 17-year-old boy, with no connections to anything, was shot dead. And his friend Martin McCauley was seriously wounded by RUC men in Lurgan in 1982. And Stockler discovered that um, MI5 officers had dis destroyed a secret tape that had been in the shed where they were murdered, that had captured the whole thing. So there was secret footage. And um, despite a recommendation from a senior British police officer investigating the allegations, that was Stalker, that the MI5 officers should be prosecuted for perverting the course of justice, um, the British cabinet agreed to cover up the evidence, quote, in the public interest. <laughs> Fucking shit under our shoe, you know. What? Uh, and, uh, and, and so, you know, these things don't go away. They don't but how do away. we, uh, how do they, they don't go away. And that is the thing when we, we talk about this, that is clear how you then interrogate them and deal with it. And it is a, this is, this is clearly, you know, the search for justice is one aspect of it, but there, you know, there is so much horror and and misery. And we talked about it before. You know, I met Alan Black, the you know the only survivor of the Kingsville massacre, yeah, yeah. an extraordinary man who was like one of these people, just shaped in, in an inspirational figure because he was you know he wanted. Uh, but at, at least he knows what happened. Yeah, I know. No, so I know. So I'm when not. You, when you know what happens, you know if you're attacked. If you're attacked by the IRA, and and it and it doesn't in any way, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's exactly the same. But at least that part of a human being deep down, that is haunted by tell me the fucking truth. No, I know, and and the fact that, and that the fact that that the, the, the state waking up every morning and deep down it's the first elemental. And the fact that the institutions state. of the state, how how how, yeah. no matter what kind of uh, uh, level of, of attachment you have to that state, the fact that the instruments of the state are denying you that 
are treating you as uh, a hostile kind of uh, actor in the thing. Like Joe Campbell's family, the first trial, first trial of somebody for, for the killing of Joe Campbell, they didn't even know it was taking place. It started without, they heard it on the radio. Yeah. They, that's, that's the reality of how they were treated. But I'm also... Sure all, they're, all, they're always amongst us. I mean, all these people, like, I mean, you know, Julie Livingston, a beautiful 14-year-old girl, shot in the face with a plastic bullet and killed, coming from school, mm. the Shurstown Road. And the Livingston family, you know, from a Protestant tradition, were told, as they were surging towards an arrest, justice, prosecution, how can this be? How can this, how can this happen? You know, they were told recently that her file had been sealed until 2069. Paul mm. Witters, 15 years of age, shot in the head with a plastic bullet, killed. His family were told his file was sealed until, I think, 2054, 2055, by which time they'll all be dead. And that's the game. Um, 120,000 rubber bullets uh, were fired in the north. A lot of people very, very badly injured. A lot of people just got scalps, but a lot of people very, very badly injured and uh, many people killed. Do you know how many rubber bullets have ever been fired in the rest of the United Kingdom? I'm going to say none. Yeah, zero. Zero. Yeah, because they're banned there. Yeah. Allowed to use them there, but as for the Fenians here, fucking use them, fucking use away. Don't worry, look, we'll, we'll get it sorted out. We'll get it sorted out. We'll get our stories straight. The courts will not be a problem. We'll 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 burn down offices and we'll disappear murder files and we'll say that a stray cigarette must have been discarded. And you know, don't fucking worry about it. It's only fucking Fenians. Like, we'll take them over hills and we'll try to shoot them. And if they're if a car comes along and catches us. Sure. Who's going to do anything about it anyway? The RUC won't even investigate it. They won't even interview us. And I said this before, the first person killed in the Troubles was, well, the first person killed, obviously the UVF, the UDA were involved in the bombings and shootings in 1966-67, but the Troubles started in earnest in 1969. And the first person, according to Lost Lives, who lost his life in the Trouble, was uh, a man in Dungiven, one of the McCluskeys, Francie Paul Begg. And uh, he was, was nearly 70 years of age. He was beaten to death by the RUC in the mouth of Hassan's draper's shop. And uh, nobody was ever questioned, never made charge, nobody was ever prosecuted. And Lucy McCluskey, an old woman now, she has fought for just, she's, Lucy must be well into her 80s. She has been a cry in the wilderness fighting for justice mm. for this decent bachelor who was coming in to do his groceries and was beaten to death in the doorway of Hassan's draper's shop. So, you know, what will happen is over the next 20 years, as we move very quickly towards a new Ireland, a united Ireland, that memories will dim and these hurts won't be passed on to the children because you can't experience it in the same way unless you've lived it. You know, you can never experience it abstractly. Mm. And uh, 
you know, so many kids with parents who have never been able to love them and devote time to them the way you would normally if you weren't suffering yourself the way they've suffered so much trauma. But that's that's how the British empire building machine always worked. And uh, at least I think that we are, people are, being more educated about that. They're coming to a better realisation of it, you know. Whenever you see someone like Johnny Mercer, you know, who entirely sort of symbolises that British establishment, calling the hurt of these thousands of people, the Northern Ireland grievance industry. You see, I think I think there's a there's a um there's a real failure. Somebody like Johnny Mercer doesn't understand. And again it reminds me of Hillsborough and the Hillsborough families. And they were they were told similar things. They were told the rest of by the you know. And again, there is there is in Liverpool there is a kind of a Celtic there is a Celtic heart. You know, it is it is it is an Irish city, and that sense of actually memory being something that you know you say memory's dim, but these things they, they also get handed on. And it, it's striking because I was talking to somebody. You know, at the, there was an inquest open for for Joe Campbell and. Rosemary Campbell was there in March and she gave a victim statement. But also there was his grandson uh, who plays who plays for Antrim as part of the Antrim hurling team. Yeah. And he was there. He Owen, isn't it? Owen yeah. Campbell. And he never met, he never met his, good he man. never, he, he never met his grandfather. Aye. But, it, you know, but there, there's a, there is a sense of a, of a search for justice handed on. And the same thing happened with Hillsborough that, that will happen, you know, uh, yeah. There is a circling of the wagons that people will people, this will, people will fade away. They will lose interest. They will, but there is there are certain things, and it is and it is that, that distinction between and you know I know how painful it is, and it's desperately painful for people who are victims of uh, you know of terrorism that they saw prisoners released and they did that. But there was what? some sense, some sense that. That at least you knew what the truth was. Yeah, and you also sense that it was so, you know painful as it was. There was some sense this is for this is part of a process, and a peace process. The, 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 and and the intentions of the people who were doing it, Somebody in in the main, couldn't be questioned. People would question certain ones, but the idea that Boris Johnson can say, "I'm going to draw a line under the troubles," and people actually say, "Oh well, you know, your 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 good faith in this matter." Can never be questioned. You're Boris Johnson. Have you has has a word ever come out of your mouth that we couldn't actually take take at face value? No. So th this will go on. This will be handed on. And this is something that when we deal with, as we have to deal with it, when we deal with these things properly, and when everyone comes and talks honestly, and with sorrow and with with anger about these things, that this this will actually be counterproductive. Because it won't have allowed people who need who need need a sense of justice to actually feel that they've got that. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with... with with almost all of that. I mean, I I know people who have had loved ones killed by the IRA and in atrocious circumstances, you know. And make no mistake about it, like the all all killing is is, is, is horrific in the IRA. You know, murder cannot be condoned in my view. It simply cannot be condoned. There must always be a better way. I can understand why it happened. I believe it was inevitable. There was no way to stop it. But it cannot be condoned. You know, but funny, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about your brother's song uh, in, in Second Life. You know. And the reason I was thinking about it was because I was asked by Gill Books to write the foreword for Eugene Ravies. Um, upcoming book. Eugene's an old man now, and he has sought a proper inquiry and prosecutions into the murders of his three brothers. And what happened with him was in 1976, about tea time, gunmen, the Glenan gang, walked through the open door of the Ravies family home. And there were in the Reavy family then, there were eight boys, four girls and the parents. But Kathleen lived in London. But normally on a Sunday evening, because the children all came home and the mother would make tea on a Sunday evening. So it had to be somebody in the locality who knew that. Because they were all independent and all working away and all the rest of it. There would have been 13 of them in the house. But in that evening they'd gone to visit their aunt Rose Ellen because she wasn't well so they'd gone to Camloch and uh, three of the boys stayed at home like because they wanted to watch Celebrity Squares fuck me like. the the moments that change everything you know. so the gunmen walked in sterling submachine guns of course supplied by the military and in a hail of bullets, they killed the first two boys, Joe Martin and Brian, and Anthony dived onto the bed, and he was riddled with bullets, but he survived. And he crawled 200 neighbours, soaked in blood, to Pat and Anslo O'Hanlon's, their, their neighbours, and when the O'Hanlon's opened their door, this blood-soaked boy told them they're all dead. And this secretive alliance of loyalist paramilitaries, British soldiers, police officers, they'd they just been going around murdering 
Catholics, you know, and I have seen and felt Eugene Reeves' pain too often with people. You know, um, and as a barrister, I've watched the grieving parents of murdered sons and daughters sit at the back of court through long trials and inquests, you know. They're tied to the stake. I've seen the startups families suffering as though their loved ones died yesterday. Genuinely. I mean, they talk about that as if it was yesterday, not half a century ago. You know, their faces of their loved ones are frozen, young forever, you know. And like Eugene Reeve and like all of these people, you know, who are suffering now because of this legacy bill, they're tied to the stake. Say they suffer because they must, you know, because deep down there's something in us that demands justice. More than anything, I think I feel that, that, that demands respect and honesty, something that screams to us, I fucking deserve to be seen and heard. I will not be treated I, like this. I will not be, I will not go quietly. You know, and when I was writing Eugene's foreword, you know, I thought of how many people in the North are surrounded by the ghosts of loved ones. You know, all those people who suffered horrific IRA violence, and the INLA and all the rest of it. And I thought of all those people who are not just surrounded by the ghosts of loved ones, but like Eugene Reevy and all these hundreds and thousands of families who have suffered at the hands of this British machine. They're not just surrounded by the ghosts, they're haunted by them. And that's the one that doesn't let you move on doesn't let you reconcile with yourself, has destroyed relationships, leaves their lives in a mess, you know, and it's all very well for a, a, somebody, like I don't want to use very gratuitous language, but somebody like Johnny Mercer to say, oh, this is the fucking grievance industry in the North, you know, fuck them, you know. But all these people deserve the justice and peace that, that, honesty brings and the purpose of this but not a culture war not like the other things we've discussed is that this is what the British establishment does you know and I mean I thought I read the I read some of the European Court of Human Rights judgments in relation to you know cases brought by families against the UK government for failure to investigate properly and all the rest of it in collusion, etc., etc. And whenever Stalker was removed from his inquiry because he was getting too close here, um, a lot of damning charges, in fairness to the. Sir Barry Shaw, who was the Northern Ireland Director of Public Prosecution at the time, he said, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring these prosecutions. I'm going to do it. And um, it went to Sir Patrick Mayhew. Remember the guy who was brought down to the Late Late Show and said, Herbert Ali, Herbert Ali, Herbert Ali in Clementine. You know, everybody thought he was marvellous. You know, oh, didn't he sing that the night there was some... Wasn't I, I don't care what yeah. fucking night he sang it. No, but it was something... No, but this is the yeah. fucking thing, yeah. right? He's down there in the Late Late Show and he's yeah. been fucking fated and he's singing fucking Oh My Darling Clementine. And around about that time, he was the Attorney General and Tom King, the Northern Ireland Secretary. The report that they sent 
shutting it all down. Mm-hmm. Said a lot of intelligence matters will be brought out that would be deleterious to the intelligence operation essential in the circumstances. And Sir Patrick Mayhew actually went around the studios explaining why they weren't going to bring prosecutions against these fucks who had with complete impunity destroyed thousands of lives in the North. And, you know, discussions like this even are important, you know, and what these people want, and this is why I was thinking of your brother's great song, you know, that someday on some other plane where nothing is wrong, I can see you walking and smiling. Like you've never been gone. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening. some other plane nothing is wrong I can see you walking in smiling like you'd never been gone like you'd never been gone swept into the rain seaside town I can hear that old tin whistle blowing like you'd never been gone like he'd never been gone Soft summer sun so strong Nothing needs explaining Just a feeling You'd never been gone You'd never been gone See you on that hill And I can't see beyond Still in silhouette The sun is rising Like you'd never been gone like he'd never been
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.